Welcome to Trademark Insiders, the business and marketing podcast brought to you by Koga and Cannon. We are Mary Koga Lowell and Mary Cannon, national trademark attorneys, brand consultants, and business coaches. Join us to get the insider's perspective on all things business, marketing, and intellectual property. Today, we have another smoking episode of Trademark Insiders guaranteed to light up your day with laughter, knowledge, and a dash of that green goodness. America's thriving cannabis industry is higher stakes than ever, but when it comes to protecting intellectual property, things can get a little hazy. We'll talk about the recent National Concessions Group decision that's making the marijuana industry go, huh? What? It's a hot topic and we're here to bring the heat. <laughs> so grab your favorite strain, sit back and get ready to inhale the knowledge. This episode is going to blow your mind, dude. Again, my name is Mary Cannon and I am joined by my co-host, Mary Kogut Lowell. Mary, hi, how are you? How high are you? <laughs> all, all kidding aside, I'm happy to be here for another episode of the Trademark Insiders podcast. And I'd like to start today's episode with a question. What do you call a potato that smokes weed? A baked potato. <laughs> nice. And that, that brings us to the trademark case that we'll be discussing today. So this Denver-based company called National Concessions Group, Inc. had their sights set on a federal trademark for their baked brand name and a signature droplet design. And what was their product, you asked? Well, an essential oil dispenser for domestic use. Wink, wink. Yeah, unfortunately for NCG, the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board, or as we like to call them, the TTAB, recently dropped a big fat opinion that had the cannabis industry buzzing harder than a beehive at Woodstock. Can you give us a little background, <laughs> MK? Sure. Here's here's the background. Back, oh, way back in, this this saga started back in 2016. The, the USPTO had already rejected um, NCG's application, characterizing the product as illegal drug paraphernalia, citing the Controlled Substance Act under federal law. Now, NCG faced a setback when the examining attorney determined that the product, they had a product called Dabaratus, violated Section 863 of the Controlled Substance Act, or CSA. As a result, it could not be utilized in commerce as mandated by Sections 1 and 45 of the Trademark, Back, Trademark Act. Now, NCG fought back, arguing that their product was merely an essential oil diffuser. And, and that's precisely how they described it in the application. They described it as an oil diffuser. And then they said, even if it were not an oil diffuser, certain exceptions could be applied to their product, like lawful pot use at the state level or using the product for tobacco. Yeah, and where I think they ran into some trouble is the TTAB has asserted that it can use third-party evidence to show a violation of the Controlled Substance Act, meaning the TTAB did a little digging 
and they found plenty of evidence out there showing the true intended use of the baked product. And so um, based on what they found, they characterized it as drug paraphernalia, which they define as equipment or products primarily intended or designed for use in ingesting, inhaling, or otherwise introducing marijuana into the human body. For example, water pipes, roach clips, and bongs. And then the legal at state level argument didn't hold up either. TTAB pointed out that NCG was seeking federal trademark protection. They had said that they were what they were doing was legal in Colorado. And the TTAB said, well, you're, we're not talking about Colorado trademark registration. You want nationwide federal trademark uh, protection. And they said no. Right, because one of the key components of any lawful registration is showing that the mark is being used in commerce and more specifically lawfully being used in commerce. And Section 863 of the CSA specifically prohibits the sale of any equipment, product, or material primarily intended or designed for use in injecting, ingesting, inhaling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, by the way, as of 2023, marijuana is completely legal in approximately 21 states with 18 more allowing medical use only. So things have really changed a lot in the past couple of decades. Um, MK, how was marijuana regarded as you were growing up? And are you surprised at its current legal status? Oh yeah, you know, there have been a lot of changes. And of course, I'm a senior, so I've been around for several decades. And when I was growing up, there was a taboo against marijuana and it was illegal in all 50 states. And, and definitely when I was growing up, we were told stay away from marijuana because it's the gateway drug. It was regarded as a gateway drug. You, you start with marijuana and then you're going to go on to harder, more dangerous drugs. And um, I, there has been a remarkable transformation um, and I think a recognition of, of, of uh, marijuana having um a medical use, and some states allow it for recreational use. But as you pointed out, you know it's you know it's still not legal in every in every state in the United States, and so we have that's why we have this kind of crazy legal status for marijuana. It can be it can be legal, completely legal in a state like Colorado. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean it's legal federally. So things get a little things get a little crazy when you start talking about federal registration of uh, that kind of a product. I know, but it is remarkable to see how much things have changed. I can think back to 20 years ago when I was a teenager, pot was illegal. It was completely demonized. And I do remember hearing about a group way back then called Normal, N-O-R-M-L, that stands for National Organization for the Reformation of Marijuana Laws. And uh, I remember hearing about this group and it was definitely considered a very fringe type of um, effort. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to see just how quickly things have changed. But moving on to this recent decision, let's talk about what the big deal is here. Um, I think one of the major things to take away from the National Concessions Group opinion is simply uh, the TTAB's admission of extrinsic evidence, meaning companies like NCG need to be on high alert about how they and um, other people like third parties discuss their products online. Definitely, because one of the, the one of the things that the 
TTAB focused on were advertisements, both by the, um, the company that was applying for registration and then other companies that were also promoting its product. And, and the, um, the TTAB gave these examples and said, hey, look here, you're, you're selling this as a marijuana product, so you may call it an, an oil diffuser in your application, but we can look at, you know, we can look at extrinsic evidence and see what is what it is being marketed for. And that that was a big part of their decision. Yeah, their cursory attempt at characterizing the dabaratus as being for tobacco use or as an essential oil diffuser totally flopped. And it shows that if cannabis companies want to try to go this route, they need to put more substantial effort into meaningful nationwide sales and marketing of their products for legal uses like for tobacco or essential oils. Right, right. Now, you know, in the past, it, it you know, sometimes marijuana moguls could sneak their brands past the scrutiny of the USPTO simply by not man mentioning cannabis in the application. And as I mentioned, you know, the, and this is significant because in, that's exactly what happened in this case. There was a uh, there was no mention in the application. But what was different is now the USPTO, you know, is looking outside of just the application to see what the product is used for. So that's kind of a big deal. Yes, and the other big point is how this decision clarifies um, an area of trademark law that was a little bit muddy uh, in the past because there was a clear prohibition on trademarks for products made of cannabis, but some confusion remained among USPTO attorneys about accessories intended for use with cannabis. Uh, the decision also made it really clear that a product being legal in any one state, like Colorado in this case, does not have any bearing whatsoever on national trademark protection. I agree. And the message here is, from the TTAB is clear. Any pot-related product is going to face heavy scrutiny if an application is filed for federal trademark registration. So, you know, I guess the um, marijuana companies now know that, you know, they are, if they didn't know it before, it's pretty clear now they're going to face heavy scrutiny. Yeah, because marijuana remains completely illegal in several jurisdictions, despite the fact that it's becoming more widely accepted throughout the nation, um, it's just not going to work for federal registration of a trademark. Actually, the quote that I uh, selected from the TTAB's decision said, the use of a mark in commerce must be lawful under federal, under federal law in the sense that the commerce recited in the application complies with applicable federal laws that regulate the goods. And that just will not be the case while marijuana remains illegal. Definitely. And so, you know, already, you know, over the past few years, we, you know, the marijuana industry has naturally adopted a significant focus on branding as it has evolved and gained mainstream acceptance. So, you know, as we mentioned before, a couple of decades ago, it wasn't legal, but now it's gaining mainstream acceptance. So it is, you know, so that marketing is is important. And for that reason, the TTAB's decision is, is a big deal. With an increasing number of companies entering the market, branding has become crucial for such, such businesses to differentiate themselves from competitors. Yes. Just like any other industry out there, uh, cannabis companies are utilizing unique branding, um, creative packaging, 
distinct logos, memorable brand names, all the things that companies depend on to try to stand out and attract customers. Plus, due to the complex legal and social history surrounding marijuana, some of which we've gone over, establishing that trust and credibility may feel even more urgent for pot-related brands. I would, I would agree. I think they really have, you know, even though there has been more acceptance, there's still a significant percentage of the general population that, you know, sees marijuana as something definitely taboo. So through branding efforts, companies need to aim to convey professionalism, quality, and transparency. Brands that prioritize safety, third-party testing, sustainable practices, and responsible consumption often resonate with consumers seeking trustworthy products. So what's the bottom line here? Well, if you're a budding entrepreneur, remember that your brand is a lot (laughs) like a cannabis plant itself. It needs proper love and care and protection to reach its full potential. Also, before we end today's episode, I have one more question for you. What do you get when you eat marijuana? (laughs) A pot belly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Trademark Insiders podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember, trademarks are an essential part of building and protecting your brand. And our goal is to provide you with the knowledge and insights you need to succeed. Visit us at trademarkinsiders.com for more information. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on the latest trends, news, and strategies in the world of trademarks. Protect your brand, protect your business, and join us the next time for more insider tips and tricks on Trademark Insiders.